That's right. In Georgia, you need at least 50% plus one to uh, succeed in your uh, in the Senate. Um, it's, it's, at this point, it doesn't look like uh, uh, Raphael Warnock is going to be successful in uh, uh, breaching the 50% mark. Um, but I do think, at least for Warnock, the situation is um, better than it was earlier uh, last evening when uh, Herschel Walker was ahead um, and looked like he might even cross the 50% threshold. And the reason is that I think in the in the in this election, I think a lot of Republicans came out in part because they really wanted to support uh, uh, Brian Kemp, the governor, who, by the way, was a fierce opponent of of Donald Trump, uh, as well as Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, who also was on the target of Trump. And both those candidates uh, did very well; they won easily in the in the state. But I think um, in uh, in a runoff election in December. Um, I think Raphael Warnock is in a, very, in, a, in a very good position, in part because I think a lot of the Republicans came out uh, in order to support uh, Kemp and obviously uh, and cast their uh, ballot for uh, Herschel Walker. I think without Kemp on the ballot, um, it's going to be very, very difficult for Walker to win that uh, runoff election in December. And I think Democrats are certainly going to be energized, given what's at stake in the Senate, to really work for Raphael Warnock. With us is Dr. Mark Cassell, Professor of Political Science, Kent State University. Mark, two of the bigger sidebar stories, at least to me, I'll let you expand and maybe you can throw in something that really stood out or slash surprised you was one, and you touched on it, Ron DeSantis's landslide victory in Florida, garnering so many votes and the GOP now looking at DeSantis maybe in 2024 while Trump has a major announcement coming up next week, and then the Pennsylvania flip. Well, the Ohio Senate, where John Fetterman, the Democrat, wins over there. I thought those were two big stories yesterday. I mean, they were obviously the, 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 the main stories that came out of last night, partly because we didn't hear about the results in Arizona and in Nevada yet. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's surprising, I think, to many people how well DeSantis did. But I think, you know, I think what's also a winner is is redistricting. You saw gerrymandering in Florida really succeed. You saw, uh, you know, the legislature in Florida, which is dominated by Republicans, really used uh, gerrymandering to their favor and structured districts in such a way that really um, made it very, very difficult for Democrats to um, succeed at the at the state level. So, um, but yeah, I mean, no question, DeSantis uh, came out of that election very, very strong, and he's going to put. He's going to be a formidable candidate uh, for Trump, but also for any Democrat who stands for uh, whether it's Biden or anyone else. Um, and I think in you know I think in um, in Pennsylvania, uh, I think again the you know the sort of the carpetbagger Oz just you know I think he was a weak candidate. I think in part because again for candidates to uh, stand, for Republican candidates to succeed, they needed to sort of pay. Uh, uh, you know, they needed to uh, basically uh, get Donald Trump support. And I think many, many reasonable candidates decided not to do that. They didn't want to get uh, Donald Trump's fealty. Just people like Doug Ducey in Arizona, Larry Hogan in Maryland, Chris Sununu in New Hampshire, these were all moderate Republicans who could have won and probably could have run and probably would have won, but decided not to because they didn't want to have to sort of bow to Donald Trump. And I think... Going forward, Republicans, as I say, are going to have to ask themselves the question as to whether or not they want to go down the path of Donald Trump and uh, and basically the kind of circus that he brings with any uh, candidacy in any election. 